The funding of this episode is by the Fulton County Board of Commissioners. Thank you, Board of Commissioners, and the creative arts and culture initiatives you've set forth to help artists like us feel some relief during the COVID-19 pandemic. In this installment of our podcast, we're talking about one of the most nerve-bending and historic weeks our country has seen yet, and continuing our series on holiday picks from women of color businesses. All right, well, here we are, post-election finally, with Joe Biden named as the projected winner, the presidential elect, so to speak, for the 2020 election. The 46th presidency, finally, all the votes have been counted. The recounts are finishing as we speak in Georgia. It's a big exhale. But for now, we have have made history by having a projected 161 million voters cast a ballot for this historic election. I think it was like 76 plus million were for Joe Biden, making him the most voted candidate in the history of our country. It's amazing. And then yes. obviously we're celebrating the first female black and South Indian Jamaican Berkeley bred California bred vice presidential elect Kamala Harris, of course, making the most history, right? <laughs> we're the most excited. About yes, um, indeed. I, you know, I was amazed by Saturday Night Live who, you know, came came out and represented right away within two hours. I think it was 85 minutes to be exact. They said, hmm. like, I, Maya Rudolph was outfitted in Kamala's classy cream suit and silk top so fast. How did they do that? <laughs> I, I love it. That was like, that was amazing. They should get an award for that one. Um, and Jim Carrey, of course, came out. Ventura, Le Hooser which was hilarious. It was, it just took me back. It was so perfect. <laughs> so perfect. They, they look just like them. It was so crazy. Oh and she God. sounds just like her. Crazy. She does. She, she has Kamala down just when you think, I mean, she's depicted so many, so many characters, so many people, but it's just these little, little pieces that she gets. She just nails it. And you're taken into Kamala world. It's amazing. And, and it's how been... <laughs> it's a biracial woman playing a biracial woman. Like, how when does I that ever know. happen? <laughs> right. She doesn't really get to play that many biracial people. Now no. that you think about it, <laughs> with her racial ambiguity, it's it's always um you know in a, one one race so to speak of all different. Amazing. It's perfect. It's so perfect. Um. I could watch her playing Kamala all day, but, you know, waiting on the results, like it was, I mean, so many people have talked about it now. I mean, it's, it's, we were all just on the edge of our seats. It was an emotional roller coaster. You know, I had probably experienced every single emotion, anger, frustration, sadness, happiness, like all, all of the things. And everybody was joking that that one week was like a year And it was, it just felt like forever. But I think, you know, all of these memes that came out were just 
depicting the roller coaster of emotions so well, but the best one, and I'll have to share on our blog, is the Sister Act 2. Did you get to see this one? I didn't even talk to you about this before, but did you get to see the no, Sister Act 2? No, I didn't. I, I didn't see it. it. Yes, it's hilarious. Um, I, I watched it over and over, but it, it it's the scene from Sister Act 2 when the youth choir is mm-hmm. performing in public for the first time you know the the young man who's the lead singer and he is very nervous the whole choir is very nervous and so they're saying like this is just like how we were election night we're all kind of timid we're like what's happening <laughs> what's going on i've got to watch you know? it and then and it's it's just it's it's brilliant i mean i couldn't even give it justice but um it just shows you know how we were at the you know our emotions at the beginning of the election results and then just the song the leader he's he finally kind of gets a little bit more confident and boastful and they're saying like that's when the absentee ballots came in and we're all getting a little bit more confident and boastful (laughs) and then we start seeing a shift from red to blue and the choir's just getting like even more you know jamming now they're all confident and it's 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 hilarious but again i can't pay it justice i i tried but i just i'll put it on the website everyone can enjoy it there if you haven't seen it um (laughs) and it's just funny but (laughs) all the creativity out there is awesome just love it yes. yes where what were you doing when you found out how did you find out were you on did the like cause you know, yeah, all of us had like CNN and all the thing, all the news rolling, checking Facebook, checking phones. What were you doing when you found out? Well, I couldn't. And what? Yeah, go ahead. Are we, I mean, is it truly a new day? Like we're calling this episode a new day, but is it truly a new day? Like I need to know all your thoughts. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think it remains to be seen. It is a new day in so many ways. You know, I moved to Georgia in 2004 from uh, New York And then I moved away to LA after that and definitely, you know, know the differences um, in living in the South versus the West versus the East versus the Midwest. So yes, it has come. We are in a new day. Everything that they've been projecting in terms of our demographic shift has come and visited this election, I feel like. And um, it does feel different. I think we will have to wait, though, and and we can hold uh, President-elect Biden and and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, you know, to account to hopefully do to to make the change they they promised to make. So we I will reserve a judgment. uh, Right. We have to we have to um, Mm -hmm. make sure that the we know change is slow in Washington. I think President Mm -hmm. Obama described it uh, when he was talking to CBS Sunday morning as an ocean liner and not a speedboat. So I think Mm -hmm. there are some things that are going to take a while. But, yes, it is a it is just by the election itself. It it is a new day. Um, And what happened in watching our democracy work, that was personally a new day for me. I had never seen our democracy Mm -hmm. work so swift and so sure. And I say swift Mm -hmm. because it really was swift when you think about it only taking a week and how with the with precision with such precision these very dutiful and um uh and honest people working in their localities to deliver all the votes and to count all the votes and deliver them counted um appropriately so much did not go wrong and i think that is a new day right i covered the election you know 
you know, the Florida election. I covered so much of these crazy elections and it just felt really good. So sorry, I to answer your mm-hmm. question before getting carried away. <laughs> I was uh, watching all week. I could not stop. I could mm-hmm. not stop watching. I was watching CNN, admittedly. Um, I could not go to sleep. I had to watch it. I fell asleep watching it. And then finally on Saturday morning, my nerves were fried and I just took a break to watch college game day. And that's yeah. when, don't you love the news <laughs> alerts on your phone? That's right. when I got the NPR's alert about Joe Biden being the projected winner. And it was right. like a, it was a really big moment um, of relief. Were you doing your squeal around the house? Yeah, today? I think I started running, which is what I do when I get excited. Um, <laughs> I just run <laughs> and I squealed and. It just was a moment yes. that felt so triumphant, um, not only for our democracy, but of course, because of what it signifies in terms of being history making in so many respects. Yeah. And I got to hear about which election, which election did you cover in Florida? Was it Gore? Yes. Bush v. Gore. Bush v. Gore. I was not in Florida, but I was working for ABC News at the time. And that was my first time covering a presidential election. And boy, was it a wild one to cover hanging pads and all kinds of things. (laughs) um, Scary stuff. Really scary stuff. Yes. Well, I... um... Yeah, I, I felt the confidence in the democracy working. I mean, it was, again, a roller coaster of emotions, a little nervous, like thinking this pandemic was just, you know, going to mess us all up with the absentee ballots and, you know, with the U.S. Postal Service having, you know, so many adjustments made there. But um, I, I was getting ready to, you know, again, you, like you, I was taking a break I was exhausted from the week of coverage and I was you know the night before we watched a family movie and we were just like we're not watching the news you know and um and that morning I was like I'm, I'm avoiding but let me just turn it on check in getting ready to do my daughter's hair and lo and behold within seconds of me turning on the, the tv to cnn and I normally don't even watch CNN, but I felt that between, and I'll be honest, it was between CNN and CBS is what I was watching most of the time. And every now and then checking in on Fox News, because I do like to see what they're saying as well. It's not my typical, but I, I don't like to just, and I listen to NPR in the car, but I don't like to just, you know, hone in on one news source all the time. I like to hear it from all the perspectives because um, news is just kind of you can speak to it more, but it seems like news has changed a lot. And we're trying to get back to just that unbiased way of delivering the news, but it's hard sometimes. So anyways, turned it on within seconds. They said, we can finally say that Joe Biden is the projected winner of president elect. Here we go. And I just, it like immediately I was taking pictures of my TV (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think everyone has pictures of their TV. I'm like texting everybody. I texted you. I just, it was immediately like, let's get out the champagne. Let's get their little COVID bubble of neighbors and have everybody in the driveway. And wow. <laughs> like we just did it. We told the kids, pull out the Halloween candy. You can have some candy with the, <laughs> like, you know, and we just, wanted to take that moment to celebrate because honestly in the back of my mind I was like we have to celebrate now because we don't know what's gonna happen like I feel like all the reporting has kind of heightened that 
sense of like worry around these militias and these different people, groups organizing themselves and threatening, you know, to, to do whatever they're going to do, you know, and we've had so many protests and destruction and just so much has been going on in 2020. So it just felt like, oh, we better celebrate quick before it goes south. You know, again, we were watching all of these businesses boarding up their windows and their doors the whole week, you know, week prior. And it's like, oh, my gosh, what are we getting ready for? Are we getting ready yes. for war? Like, what is happening? So it felt like let's just enjoy this moment and be just be in the moment and enjoy it. And we did. We did. We had fun. Um, Good. And I'm glad we did. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we did. Yeah. Just watching, you know, people pour out into the streets was so interesting. And I, I kept yes. asking myself, what is that about? Is this just this collective sense of excitement because it's historic? Is it a collective sense of relief because four years that may not have felt so good for so many people in the country were over? Was it, I just kept asking myself, was that for, it was just people coming out because they realized our democracy had worked and just in terms of the process being slow and careful and eventual. And then we get this solid, what we think <laughs> is a solid answer. I was just so interested about people pouring out into the streets as they did. Mm-hmm. I just, I still wonder what that's about. Um, but yeah, I'm just really interested. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was so many things, to be honest, because, I've, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with friends and listened to other, you know, personalities on different media talk about, especially Black women, because we were just so instrumental in this particular election. There were so many Black people, in, you know, in particular, and I think any any of the groups, any person of color or LGBTQ women felt this sense of relief they didn't realize how much emotion they were holding on to the last four years they didn't realize how much trauma they were going through in the last four years with this person yeah who was willing to lock up babies and (laughs) mothers and separate them and do all these just very traumatic things to be quite honest and I think um I think the angst of the possibility of going through another four years under that heightened, um, just, I guess, just scare tactics, so to speak, in, in some ways, and just feeling very scared, for lack of a better term. Yeah. The thought of going through that for another four years, I think, was such a relief for so many people that it was like hallelujah we are going in the streets we're having a party all day long and it and and then the fact for me i my my most i'll say this was my most like i don't even know what to call it it was such a crazy feeling i don't know what exactly what day it was but it was the day when michigan was undecided still they were counting them and they were, you know, Georgia, they were counting forever. They just pretty much finished. <laughs> like, yeah, we're, you know, we're now um, almost two weeks out or a week and a half out. And they just finally finished. Um, but 
they were looking, they were dissecting on the news. They were dissecting the suburbs of Grand Rapids, Michigan, specifically in Atlanta, Georgia and Fulton County and DeKalb. The two homes, you know, outside of Los Angeles and New York, but two of the most instrumental places <laughs> that I've lived in my life. My, most of my family's in Grand Rapids right now, and I'm here in Atlanta. And they were dissecting these suburbs. They were dissecting the demographics and how they were changing, explaining the, you know, just all of the different things. Um, these are both states that I've thrived in, specifically the cities, though. We're under this microscope of the entire world. Like my friends, in Seattle, were texting me, "Go Atlanta!" I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yes, oh. like, yes, you know, I receive those messages too. It was, it was like, it was, it was a lot to just of of all the cities, you know. You know, we had Philly too, we had Arizona, we had all, you know, a handful. Um, but then was, but when Michigan turned blue, mm, you're home. that was a moment for me. <laughs> I was like, I am not going to forget that moment. I don't want to forget that moment. Yeah. Because my bet, you know, it was an overwhelming feeling of anxiety that I never felt before. In in some ways, it was a bit like being biracial or multiracial feels like the divide that you feel that is so overwhelming, but yet knowing it could all be so simple if we were just like come together but knowing also that this, these are the places where I, you know, my family are, my friends are, my teachers, the coaches, the community yes. leaders, the business leaders, the people that helped to raise me, mm-hmm. you know, I'm waiting to see what they think about the next four years. Yeah. What they think about what, what's important, you know, and it just was, it was, it was a lot. It was, um after seeing and learning and knowing everything that happened in 2020, it had me, you know, um, a li- you know, obviously nervous, but I was, I was very much um, in and out of my body all at once, but I was happy to see Michigan turn blue. That almost was, I know it's more important that Biden and Harris won, but it was so important to me. And I was like, if Georgia can just turn blue, then my life will be made. And I think I can sit at peace maybe <laughs> with just knowing, like just balancing out all of the red, so to speak. Um, it's, you know, one, one friend stopped me in my tracks because when we, when we looked at all the numbers and we saw that like still there was about half the country that still voted for Trump. Um, and again, you know, not trying to get so, so political here, but, the way that I personally, Shannon, I can only speak for myself, sees it is that when you were voting for him, you were voting against a lot of groups of people and me being part of one of those demographics of people and a large majority voting for him being white. Um, and, you know, it just felt like if you don't really, if you don't get it in 2020 after knowing so much, you should know so much of our past history of this country and then what the history of 2020 brought and just the experience that 2020 brought. It's like, when are you going to get it if you don't get it now? And, you know, mm-hmm. one of my friends like just said, they don't want to get it. Some people just don't want to get it because they will have to give up some power that they have. They will have to give up too much in their mind. Um, they will have to change their entire way of life, so to speak. So they don't want to, mm. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And 
you know, it's, it's, it's sad, the division, the hatred. Um, it was, you know, this election was just so much bigger than just, pol- you know, a couple policies. It was just, in my humble opinion, it just really was a, a large um, vote for ideals and what you think about humanity almost, you know. I never expected in my lifetime to see one, someone who looked like me in the White House. A woman? Yes. I, I could have conceived of a woman in the White House. But a multi-ethnic woman? Right. No. You know, I posted that um, message. That was something I summed up about my girls being able to see that when I didn't think I would be able to see that. I'm a 44-year-old woman in America. Mm-hmm. And I want people, to, you know, and, you know, Yes, I'm educated and yes, I've had success in a career. Yes, I'm I our family it has what it needs, thank God. But I still did not think that the the country was capable of overcoming some of its baggage to put someone in the White House whose racial identity flouts our history of segregation and discrimination. I just mm-hmm. didn't think we were at we would be at that point in my lifetime. And Mm -hmm. I I want to say to people, like, you know, yes, everything is possible for me, you know, because I have all these advantages in my life. But is it if I still think that way, if I still know there are barriers for someone Mm -hmm. with a name like Tarana? (laughs) Yeah. Who people who cannot peg her racial identity. And so I reach out to people and my family, even on the other side of the aisle, just to say, hear me hear why that was such an important moment for me and take a step back to live in my reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying don't, don't pity me. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm just saying maybe the America you see as equal for everyone is not what, what we are truly living. Yeah. And I think that's the reaction to that moment that we saw is what really I hope will bring people to a moment of, reconciliation over this mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i really hope that um i think this this is an alliance of leadership that people can all people i hope all people can truly see their experiences and themselves in yes so bear with me as i read a bit from joe biden's acceptance speech because i think his words were so powerful and carefully written and with all the excitement of that day i think it may have been a bit overlooked from some folks. So just not the whole speech, but a a little, a few excerpts I wanted to read. Um, Joe Biden said, my fellow Americans, the people of this nation have spoken. They have delivered us a clear victory, a convincing victory, a victory for we, the people. We won the most votes ever cast for a presidential ticket in the history of this nation, 74 million. I am humbled by the trust and confidence you have placed in me. I pledge to be a president who seeks not to divide, but to unify. Who doesn't see red and blue states, but a United States? He goes on to say, for that is what America is about, the people, and that is what our administration will be about. I sought this office to make America respected around the world again and to unite us here at home. To all those who volunteered, worked the polls, local election officials, you deserve a special thanks from this nation. To my campaign team, to all the volunteers, to all those who gave so much of themselves to make this moment possible, I thank you for everything. And to all those who supported us, I am proud of the campaign we built and ran. I am proud of the coalition we built, the broadest and most diverse in history. 
Democrats and Republicans and independents, progressives, moderates, and conservatives, young and old, urban, suburban, and rural, gay, straight, transgender, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, and especially for those moments when this campaign was at its lowest, the African-American community. Let's give each other a chance. It's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, to lower the temperature, to see each other again, to listen to each other again, to make progress. We must stop treating our opponents as our enemy. We are not enemies. We are Americans. I just felt like that was what we as multiracial women have been living and talking about our entire lives and want to hear these words said by a president-elect. We want to hear that. And subconsciously, the, the, the child in us had only dreamed about hearing those words. It, in, it was beautiful. It, it, it was beautiful. <laughs> and it really was naming our strength as Americans is that America, the American mm-hmm. dream is so many different things. Mm-hmm. And for so many years, mm-hmm. we have lived with one version of the American dream. You know, I was just thinking about as we enter the holiday season, Christmas movies that I watched growing up yeah. and, and, you know, Jingle Jangle is out there right now. And I said to my brother, how many times did we see ourselves in the Christmas movies that were our tradition growing up? Our traditions did not look like us because we had to we had to write them in. We are being written in a broader coalition is being written into this administration and to this into this country now. And I feel like Joe yes. Biden signaled they would be written in. Did you know that they, they went as far as to call out for the people they are hiring for their administration? I don't think this has ever happened. They called out, we want our administration to be employ people who look like them and people in America. So please send, they welcomed mm-hmm. people. They're welcoming people already. Um, I just think it is such a different tone. And it really, that is mm-hmm. what America is about to me. Um And I think it's really what America is about, objectively speaking, Um, not subjectively speaking, objectively speaking. This is what our our, this is what well, our laws sometimes have not said this, but some of the most beautiful texts about what this country was founded on. This very thing that Joe Biden talked about in his acceptance speech, and um, it was a moment for the ages. See me, see each other different, not enemies. The American dream is a concept that can be envisioned for all. Um, It could be Mm -hmm. all things to all people and still be the American dream out of many one. I was shocked Mm -hmm. that he called out the African-American community and it was about time because the African-American community has built this country too. And we will, we continue to help build us to our highest ideals of being an American you know, no more bottom of the barrel. Right. Um, it was his way of acknowledging the hurt and a desire to be seen and counted. It it was necessary to set the tone for reconciliation. Absolutely. And, um, just to sum up a little bit more of what he said, he says, the Bible tells us that everything there, there is a season, a time to build a time to reap a time to sow and a time to heal. Let this grim era of demonization in America begin to end. Here and now, America's story is about the slow yet steady widening of opportunity. Make no mistake, too many dreams have been deferred for too long. 
We must make the promise of the country real for everybody, no matter their race, their identity, their ethnicity, their faith. And 12 years ago, when Barack Obama made history and told us, yes, we can, we stand again at an inflection point. We have the opportunity to defeat despair and to build a nation of prosperity and purpose. We can do it. I know we can. And moments later, he says, you see, I believe in the possibility of this country. We're always looking ahead, ahead to an America that's freer and more just, ahead to an America that creates jobs with dignity and respect, ahead to an America that cures disease like cancer and Alzheimer's, ahead to an America that never leaves anyone behind, ahead to an America that never gives up. This is a great nation and we are a good people. This is the United States of America and there have never been, has never been anything we haven't been able to do when we've done it together. In the last days of the campaign, I've been thinking about a hymn that means a lot to me and my family, and it captures the faith that sustains me and which I believe sustains America. And I hope it can provide some comfort and solace to the more than 230,000 families who have lost a loved one to this terrible virus this year. My heart goes out to each and every one of you, and we will raise, he's, and he reads, he will raise you up on eagle's wings, bear you on the breath of dawn make you shine like the sun and hold you in the palm of his hand. And now together on Eagle's wings, we embark on the work that God and history have called upon us to do with full hearts and steady hands with faith in America and each other with a love of country and a thirst for justice. Let us be the nation that we know we can be a nation united, a nation strengthened, a nation healed. God bless you. And may God protect our troops. That's Joe Biden, president elect. I thought this was a bold and faith-filled speech. It was amazing. Yeah, it, it was really, it was beautiful. And, um, you know, so many of those acceptance speeches are, but I think we all have to acknowledge that this one just had, had a different kind of a meaning um, this mm-hmm. year. Um, and uh, yeah. our dear Kamala, um, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, before he gave the speech, here's, here's a little bit of what she said. To the woman most responsible for my presence here today, my mother, Shamala Gopalan Harris, who is always in our hearts. Uh, when she came here from India at the age of 19, she maybe um, didn't quite imagine this moment, but she believed so deeply in an America where a moment like this is possible. And so I am thinking about her and about the generations of women, black women. Asian, white, Latina, Native American women who throughout our nation's history have paved the way for this moment tonight. Women who fought and sacrificed so much for equality and liberty and justice for all, including the black women who are often too often overlooked, but so often prove they are the backbone of our democracy. All the women who have worked to secure and protect the right to vote for over a century, 100 years ago with the 19th Amendment, 
55 years ago with the Voting Rights Act and now in 2020 with a new generation of women in our country who cast their ballots and continued the fight for their fundamental right to vote and be heard. Tonight I reflect on their struggle, their determination, and the strength of their vision to see what can be unburdened by what has been. And I stand on their shoulders. The reaction to all of this that I think was so spontaneous and authentic and pure was Van Jones. Whether you agree with Van Jones or not, you had to mm-hmm. see something in the emotion he displayed and the hurt he displayed when he spontaneously spoke about what this moment meant after four years. And yes, he was tired. And yes, he probably yeah. has for four years tried to explain the same things he, he knows from his place of expertise in a way that can contextualize what, what the Trump presidency meant to America. Um, but I think it really captured how I felt when I was holding my breath Mm -hmm. for four years and that this idea of not knowing what's going to come out of the mouth of the person who is our leader of our country, um, whether it would hurt me, the people I love or my, my neighbors or my global neighbors, uh, our allies in this, in this beautiful world we live in. And so I really um, thank him for sharing um, very authentically and humbly um, what he what he was feeling. I mean, it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. Van Jones talking about his sons in particular. I mean, yes, as a parent. Oh, as a parent. And then just the the way he was thinking of his neighbors, (laughs) he got just as emotional speaking Mm -hmm. of his Muslim neighbors or people in the community who may have felt um, looked at as less than, right. You know, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. that just really mm-hmm. moved me. Cause again, it was not in the spirit. It was in the spirit of loving this country that he said those things and knowing that the, there are ideals there that can inc- be so inclusive. And I think mm-hmm. it hurt mm-hmm. him to see the exclusion of those that this country has room to love. Right. Spot on. I mean, he, I, I respect his vulnerability in that moment. As he just didn't care. Black man he just didn't care. At that there. point, I he, just went for it. And I just so, I so respect that. <laughs> that's how all of us, I mean, it was like, <laughs> it was, it was, it was real. It was all the way real and I, it was beautiful. Um, But, you know, one thing that we forgot to mention about this Saturday Night Live that was epic was Dave Chappelle hosting and his opener. (laughs) Um, That, it was, it was very well done. I mean, he went into preacher mode and he had a little message at the end and I'm sure many people, um, saw it if not live saw it um on social media but uh he did he did a great thing he you know he he lives in ohio in the middle of corn <laughs> country ohio not like a major city um so you know he's 
his family's the minority there. And so he, he talks about that a lot. Um, so I think he spends a lot of time trying to bridge build in his own way as well. And, you know, part of that, that opener was to say, look, there is half the country that's not happy mm-hmm. right now. And we need to yes. respect that. And, you know, let's, let's remember that this president is for all of us and not just some of us. And I think that's, that's the change that we really want to see this presidency is not a president that's only for one group of people. Yes. Um, we want to feel like the president is for everyone, for the entire United yes. States. So I thought Dave Chappelle was. He was. And, 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 you know, that's where the connector in me comes in. You know, here's where my empathy born of years of wanting to be seen and accepted just for who I mm-hmm. am comes in as a biracial woman in America. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I want to let all of those mm-hmm. who are leery of a Biden-Harris presidency know, you know, I see you too. I see your fears. I think mm-hmm. differently maybe than you, but I bet we have so much more mm-hmm. in common than we do that is that is different. So I think about those folks mm-hmm. and I hope they too can have faith in the U.S. and in this administration um, and see perhaps the good and that change can do for all of us because it doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. And so we talk about Dave Chappelle. I love what he said at the end of that. He said, he said a lot of things <laughs> and some of them were probably yeah. offensive. I was like, huh? yes, you know, but he said <laughs> as a woman, he, he likes, he likes to stir the pot, stir the he's, pot he's but toxic. it was, there's some <laughs> nuggets of truth in there. And, um, when, mm-hmm. when he said that thing about, I don't hate anyone. I hate that feeling yeah. of being thought of as less than as being looked at with, um, yeah. contempt of being looked at with suspicion. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what he was saying was, see me, right? See me. Uh, yeah. And so I thought it, he has some interesting things to say. Yes. And I know that you were going to talk about the comparisons between the math. Oh, <laughs> that was deep. Um, I, <laughs> he compared, he asked for all those people uh, who don't want to wear coat masks right now. Um, he challenged them that maybe they're okay with wearing their KKK masks. And that is a big yeah. stretch. Um, but it was Ooh. just, well, we've been seeing that a lot too on social media. I hate to say it. like, you know, a lot of folks are like, Oh, you're comfortable wearing this, but not this one. Yeah. That <laughs> is a very interesting, uh, I was just caught in that moment for a minute. I had to like really go deep there yeah. and analyze that one. Um, and uh, again, yeah. uh, I know that that is quite harsh and stark for some people, but it was an interesting comparison, what you're willing to do and not willing yeah. to do for the, for the country. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. But, um, just, you know, going back to, um, you know, the, the casting votes and it was just so evident that black women and women of color who were casting their votes this election because, you know, our lives were on the line. It wasn't, you know, it, it, I don't know. Like we said, we've been saying it's, it just felt so different. Um, And there were so many stories of these amazing women who were in their late nineties or early nineties, late nineties, early hundreds, who were born just or around after it became legal for white women to vote. 
And seeing them vote, seeing their families who had organized to drive the miles yes. to a voting booth was amazing. I loved seeing those particular stories. And um, and Stacey oh. Abrams, who came out and organized. Amazing. Like nobody's Talk about business. purpose. Registering. Talk about purpose. Yes. Really. If you haven't seen her, her documentary film, um, it's so good. It's, when you just think that there's... There's not more history mm. to learn. There's always more history to learn. There's already always more things that are being dug up and brought to the light. Like it's so well done. So, so good. Um, but, you know, she registered a record 800,000 plus voters mm. in Georgia. That's instrumental. I mean, she won Georgia for us. Like, you know, I mean, that's craziness. And then even now, you know, I, um, was reading that there's about 23,000 because, you know, now Georgia's under with the Ossoff and um, Warnock and the Senate, like wanting to see the Senate turn to Democrats so that our president elect and vice president are tied, you know, hands aren't tied and are able to make a, a little bit of change. We're trying to get the Senate to, you know, turn. And so Georgia's under the spotlight again for January 5th and they're saying that there's um, about 23,000 teens or young adults that are turning 18 between now and January 25th that can register to vote. Mm. And, you know, there's, there's definite purpose in trying to get these kids to hopefully come out and be part of the democratic process yet again. So um, I think, I hope the momentum sticks. I mean, we're definitely dealing with the holidays, but we, you know, early voting in Atlanta and Georgia starts December 14th. So we're, we're not done yet, <laughs> amazingly enough. And we're not done. You know, the vote doesn't, this voting process and this, this whole situation, we're not, it's a new day, but there's still so much work, so much more work to do. Um, but going back we did all of this we organized and we're doing all of this in amongst a global pandemic when the numbers are twice as high as they were in the middle of summer we are doing this despite our crazy circumstances um and we're voting to save our lives because voting we're voting because of health care in this country we're voting in our black communities especially when there's a pandemic it is vital and we need the leadership that's going to do its best to help bring us out of this. Like many of you, I have older family member currently right now that was just diagnosed with COVID and is fighting it, thankfully, in, in, in her 70s and is doing well. But it's scary to have to be in that real moment at these times to think, are they going to come out of this? I mean, hospitals mm. are over, um, overfilled. Like the, it's just we're getting back to that you know, scary place. We've been there, but um, we're trying to make decisions not out of fear, but trying to make smart decisions to bring about the change that we really need to see. <laughs> and we cannot forget that campaigning that campaigning um, for Biden and that last push right before too. I just want to give a little bit of homage to President Barack Obama. Um, he came out in the fourth quarter, <laughs> fourth quarter, so to speak. Um, you know, since our last podcast, he went, you know, went on a run. He was like in Miami and Georgia and all parts of the South and really did. He really said everything um, he's probably been holding out saying. 
and and he actually just recently had a on um cbs sunday morning he just had an interview and was you know asked like you know you weren't holding back and he was like i was just speaking facts i wasn't you know we we definitely have to deal with this this particular president in a different way he was playing a little bit different but i was simply stating the facts Mm -hmm. um and because he did that he i think he gave everyone a little bit of a boost right before election day um so thank you to michelle and barack obama for all that they did um with especially with michelle's initiative when we all vote and all the folks that came out to support her with that so and to to that point to do our part we must reach beyond our comfort zones i'm convicted of that i i try to get out of my comfort zone i've lived 44 years in a discomfort zone (laughs) um Mm -hmm. so i'm really sensitive to to always making sure i'm not too comfortable um or 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 let me I'm always, I know what the good it can do to be out of your comfort zone and to not have assumptions and ask questions and to challenge people in a friendly way. Right. So I think about our, Mm -hmm. I think about our veterans, some in my family who reach beyond their comfort zone, right. To go and protect our country. I think about my father and my grandmother's reaching out behind, beyond their comfort zone, living in the segregated South, Mm -hmm. but dreaming of something more. I think about my children loving and being able to listen first and speak second, reaching beyond their comfort zones and doing it all in the name of love. So let's, yes, even if you're uncomfortable right now with the election results, we hope that we understand that could be actually a good place to be. Perfectly put. And with that, we're going to shift gears just a little bit. um, And talk about the holidays a bit because we are just days away from the holiday season officially kicking off and we've been advised we shouldn't travel at all that we shouldn't see our families which is interesting and I'm having a hard time with this to be quite yeah. frank. I'm, I, it's it's you know I mean this is okay I'll be quite candid I've been avoiding it but I'm turning 40 this is a big year a big birthday yeah I typically don't put a lot on birthdays but like <laughs> It is a moment and I'm so, my birthday is so close to Christmas. It it often gets buried, but I mean, I just had ideals in my mind that I would at least be able to maybe reunite, um, for the holidays. I haven't been getting my kids too excited about it because I, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen, but my family's scattered all over the map and, you know, we celebrate half of our birthdays between Thanksgiving and, and New Year's. And, you know, um, I just, I just, I don't know how to celebrate this year. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to look. Um, it's already, you know, like we're seeing New Year's Eve in NYC is officially called off for their typical celebrations. The Macy's Day Parade, they're changing things up for the first time in 90 years. There will be no crowds or live television. They're going to pre-tape the performances at undisclosed locations and won't be marching down Central Park West the traditional way it'll be um they're gonna rig cars i think to bring the balloons through the parade so it's gonna be interesting (laughs) to see um at least that's what the plan is for now things could change but um you know uh what are your thoughts about the holidays i know like i think some of your family is going to be trying to get together despite but you know it it does make a difference when depending on your age your health circumstance if you have kids all these things are such a huge factor 
on, you know, if you're able to make it through the holidays. And thankfully, there's no travel really being shut down within the states, United States, like no one's closing off. No one's no one, I think, has yet to start requiring people to quarantine before they visit anyone. Um, so I think we still have somewhat a little bit of freedom, but, um, you know, and you have a little one that's getting ready to have her birthday before New Year's yes. too. So <laughs> how are you guys, what are your thoughts on the house? Well, you know, I think just like so everything in 2020 we're doing, uh, it's really challenged me to do it differently, to be some simpler, you know, yeah. um, just, a, it's a really good occasion to rethink how we do holidays. Um, I have anxiety, mm -hmm. you know, a little anxiety, um, about letting go of the typical trappings of the holidays, but I think it's a good time to form muscle memory for our kids. I think I borrowed that. I think you use that term. I love it. Build muscle memory for our kids around being together, mm -hmm. right? Really look, mm -hmm. sitting down and looking at each other and listening to each other. Um, I think it's yeah. good for me because I get caught up in the hustle and bustle and lists. It's good for me to slow down and keep it simple. And I actually broke my foot. Uh, and I think that that is even <laughs> further uh, sign. I need to sit down and keep it simple. <laughs> to be Major changes ahead. This you know, but that. to be honest, I don't really even find, I don't find a lot of joy when I'm running around in manic yeah. and like with lists. So I hope to start a new tradition of rest yeah. and reflection and model that for my yeah. family. Um, plus we get to remake, yeah. um, various traditions, you know, and I hope that that will teach my children how to be creative and resilient. Uh, there's always a way mm -hmm. and I'm trusting we'll have some great things that come out of the holidays and we'll end the year strong. In our last podcast episode, I shared a few wishlist items for your consideration this holiday season, all from people of color and mostly women, and I would like to share a few more with you. First up is a family friend, Jacqueline Rogers, and her green top gifts. She's a mom who couldn't find Black Santa-themed wrapping paper, so she created her own line in green top gifts. Um, she named the line after her grandfather's green top restaurant that he managed in the 1930s and 40s in Orange County, North Carolina. And I, Green Top was a go-to place in the town for Black families to come together to create great memories. The line features the adorable Clarence Klaus in the collection of Christmas gift wrap, accessories, apparel, and Christmas goodies. Our family has enjoyed it since its conception. We love the wrapping paper. We love the sweatshirts and the socks and all the goodies. So I even saw masks that were added this year. So make sure to go out and get those. Next up is my friend and woman boss, Terry Johnson, who is the founder of the Harlem Candle Company. It's a luxury home fragrance brand specializing in scented candles inspired by the richness of Harlem. I first met her as Travelista Terry when she was traveling the world as a travel and lifestyle expert. She founded Harlem Candle Company in 2014. Wow, that's time has gone by. And it was the manifestation, manifestation rather, of her love affair with fragrance, jazz, and Harlem. As a child, Terry grew up obsessed with her favorite aunt's collection of exotic perfumes and travel stories, planting the seed for her own relationship with travel and fragrances. Through her travels, 
to nearly 70 countries, she's discovered the power of scent and its ability to transport you through time and place. Terry is a native of Tex, a native Texan rather, and decided to make the New York City neighborhood of Harlem her permanent home. And through intense research, she discovered Harlem's vibrant and rich past. Music icons, including Billie Holiday and Duke Ellington, who performed at clubs such as the Savoy Ballroom, the colorful areas of Harlem's Sugar Hill and Lenox Avenue, all inspired her to share these stories. The Harlem Candle Company began in her kitchen in 2014, and she now designs fragrances alongside award-winning perfumes to produce beautifully scented candles that celebrate the Harlem Renaissance. And each candle is specially handcrafted using a soy vegetable wax blend infused with one of a kind fragrance oils and tells a story while taking you on an old factory journey. The subtle scents and soft glow from Harlem candles instantly enhances your space with creating a sense of comfort and luxury. I'm particularly excited this season for their holiday exclusives and one exclusive includes the holiday luxury candle that's four ounces. So perfect gift to give, um, whether it's the larger candles or the small ones, but just to be able to sample multiples, uh, I'm glad they have that smaller size. Make sure to support Terry. Next on our list is Ditto Kids Magazine. Tarana's friend Jenna informed us about fellow mom Alexandria's wonderful new multiracial family magazine called Ditto Kids. Their goal is to help you as a parent, educator, or caregiver guide your 3 to 11-year-old child on their journey towards being actively anti-racist. As parents, they recognize the vital importance of an education rich with not just diversity education, but anti-bias, anti-racism, and decolonized history and social studies. And that education needs to start early. Alexandria explains that she created Ditto Kids Magazine to create content that we can hold in our hands as we guide our children. That helps us to find the words to explain some of the darkest corners of our society in a way that won't scare our young children and won't diminish their self-esteem. She wanted something that will empower our children and encourage their love for themselves and others around them while still giving them the real history in a developmentally appropriate way. The information that we never really learned in school. Information to subscribe to Ditto Kids can be found on our site and blog. All right, next up is Loco Kitchen. The founder is Lauren Coe, and she is Toronto's longtime Seattle friend and is getting lots of buzz lately. She's a self-taught baker who makes beautiful pies that you can learn all about in her best-selling book called Pyometry. This is the perfect gift for any sweet lover or baker in your family. After you get this book, you can say goodbye to traditional Latisse-topped pies forever. And make sure to check out our blog that features her recent segment on CBS's Sunday Morning. Next on the list for your reading pleasure is Cast, The Origins of Our Discontent. The award-winning book is by Isabel Wilkerson and is continuing to get rave reviews. She doesn't hold back when it comes to laying out our history, like how the Nazis studied the division and power of the Jim Crow South to prepare themselves for the Holocaust. You may not want to dive into this heavy history during your holiday celebration, but for a sure reality check, this will not disappoint. You can get a sample of the book on our blog and site. 
Okay, next up. Korean and white Magnolia Homes mogul Joanna Gaines recently shared on social about facing her past as a timid and shy Korean and white multiracial little girl. She's now middle-aged and embracing her culture by spreading the message of beauty and diversity in her new children's book called The World Needs Who You Were Made to Be. Also in the children's book sphere, so to speak, we have Jambo Books, it's a book club for diverse children's books, and it features diverse characters in self-curated books for children ages 0 to 13 years old. So check them out. And also our favorite illustrator, Vashti Harrison, now has Christmas cards. Many of you, like us, are huge fans of Vashti and all her illustrations and probably jumped with glee when you saw that she is coming out with her holiday cards. We love these adorable snow angels and the smiles that leap from the page. They're currently 30% off at the online shop. Okay, next up is a Kemi fit. My longtime friend and former SoCal neighbor, Erica Shepard, is a Pilates bar and overall fitness instructor. While COVID has restricted Erica's in-person instruction at her Seattle-based studio, Pilates at Woodenville, she brilliantly pivoted into the virtual space. She's now allowing her clients and fans from all over the world to enjoy her inspiring, healthy, and mindful movement through their live and on-demand virtual classes and private instruction. So if you're looking to bring health to your body and lifestyle like us, you're in good hands with Erica. Well done. I hope these gift suggestions were helpful for you all. And please know that whatever you choose to give this season, remember that you are gift enough. You can find information on all of our featured gifts in our show notes and blog on our site, mixlifeatl.com. That's all we have for for now. Um, we're gonna have a couple other episodes coming up, a two parter um, about being anti racist. So look out for that. And then we're also looking out for an early twenty twenty one premiere of season two of Mixed Dish. The date has still yet to be disclosed, but looking. Um, and super thankful again to Fulton County and all the support that they've given for us to continue. Um, putting this podcast on yes we have a lot to talk about even in the absence of the show but always in its spirit definitely and as always we thank you for joining us please share with your friends and family share on social as well and please write a review when you can and you know the other awesome thing about anchor is that you can record voice messages and send them to us so make sure to check that out you can also send it to us via our website if you have a topic we can maybe play it on the podcast and as always stay safe during the holiday season wear a mask and wash your hands mixed life atl is recorded in atlanta georgia and produced by sdb 360 llc we can be heard on anchor spotify apple podcasts and wherever mainstream podcasts can be found for information on how to advertise your business on this podcast, please message us at mixlifeatl.com.